Welcome to Sports Cannabis. This is your host, Jai Rosaria, and we're powered by Treehouse Solution. <laughs> Cannabis and sports have played a role in each other's lives from the get-go. Surrounded in a cloud of misunderstanding and stigma, today's sports and athletes are making waves in the cannabis industry. Every day presents a new opportunity to break barriers, advocate for cannabis, and use your voice. Let's shift the perception and remember to hashtag break the stigma. Are you a small or a medium-sized business? What about a personal-sized business? Or maybe you're just looking for yourself. Instatax can help take care of all your needs today. Contact them for more information at www.insta-tax.ca. Sports Cannabis is a platform for cannabis and athletes to break barriers, spark meaningful conversation, and break the stigma. Today, athletes, pro athletes, as well as now sporting leagues are looking to cannabis in one way or another. For years, pro athletes haven't been able to access a plant that could help alleviate the pressures of a rigorous training schedule, demanding hours and injuries. The traditional methods consisted of a cocktail of remedies that had both short-term and long-term side effects that are proven to be detrimental to these athletes and their careers. Today, we have an absolute legend. Back in 2016, he was the first active NFL player to openly advocate for cannabis. He's an entrepreneur fostering the movement in the cannabis industry and the NFL. And he joined us to talk about social change, equality, entrepreneurship, and the initiatives he's taken on to break the stigma. It's amazing to have you on Sports Cannabis. It's an absolute blessing. You know, I truly appreciate you coming on. I was just watching your combine workouts this morning. You know, a little added fuel to my workout. Um, how are you oh, doing? Man, and you... you really, you really <laughs> took it back pulling up the combine footage, man. Yeah, how have you been doing? Where are you joining us from today? I'm at home, uh, living in Maryland, where it's a snowy day. Um, but the kids do not get a snow day. They are in virtual school, so my wife is upstairs uh, handling that now. But uh, we're doing great, man. Thanks for asking. How are you? I'm doing great too. Uh, it's incredible to have you on Sports Cannabis. You know, I want to ask you, life has changed. You're just talking about how your daughters are at home getting schooled. How's everything been keeping despite, you know, everything that's changed around the world? Um, you know, things are different, but, you know, for me in many ways, um, you know, for family life, uh, you know, these restrictions and, um, you know, the atmosphere we're in because of COVID uh, kind of in some ways made, um, you know, doing a few things a bit easier, right? So everyone's connecting to each other uh, through video apps and, you know, that's eliminating a lot of travel people mm -hmm. will be doing otherwise, um, which, you know, at the point when COVID changes over and recovery happens, you know, I wonder if, you know, what that will look like, if, if it will, there'll be a need to, you know, pick that up again. You know, for a lot of our listeners, they grew up following your pro football career, you know, and later in life, you've become known as a huge advocate, really a groundbreaker within the cannabis world. It seems like you're always pushing yourself to your limit. You're constantly busy. Where does that drive and that relentless pursuit come from? I mean, really, it's in ways habitual you know, every bit of what it required to position myself as I did um, being an athlete, right? Like even back in high school, 
working my tail off to become the number one player in the entire country. Uh, I mean, just it's really been a lifetime of just nonstop, really a chase, you know, for whatever goal or objective is in front of me. And so I, I really don't feel like, you know, I feel normal, right? I'm just used to just used to being on go. Thankfully, there's a lot of there's a lot of opportunity, a lot of projects, a, a lot of areas to make an impact. So I'm busy and, it, and it's fun. Um, I wouldn't have it any other way. We have to really start the conversation where it all really started for you, and that's football. Why was football there in your life, and how did it ultimately hook you? Man, it was really forced upon me. Um, you want to take it back? Uh, really, I was the biggest kid in the neighborhood, but playing sports was the last thing I wanted to do. And so, you know, I was forced to play. I remember in third grade, they brought me in check my height and weight and essentially I would have been playing with the high school kids um, but they thought I was too young and didn't allow me to and so I was actually happy about that because I didn't want to play um, but, you know but fast forward a few years and I was in middle school there were no limitations or uh, you know, weight classifications. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I was able to just go ahead and play and, you know, instantly just felt like something was different, you know, in comparison to everyone I was playing with or against and, and thought really quickly to start taking it serious. You know, you've talked about in the past that, you know, something else that really hooked you about football was the fact that contact really uh, was an outlet for you. But there's also a tremendous amount of wear and tear, and there's also constant injuries, not to mention there's a lot of added pressure to be able to compete at the highest level day in, day out. You know, fast forward to the NFL, it's notorious for pushing painkillers, different opioids, and blanket solutions that are highly addictive onto players to really keep athletes on the field. Can you talk to us about the T-Train and what that is? Yeah, um, and I'm sure things are different. Um, I'm not in the locker room anymore, so... You know, I don't know if they're still administering Toradol, but essentially on game day, players would, you know, line up at Doc's office to get an injection of a very high dose of Toradol, mm -hmm. um, which players would use preemptively for any injury, inflammation, pain. Um, you know, Toradol would essentially make you, you know, feel almost invincible you know you can go into a game with a pretty serious injury get the toradol shot mm -hmm. feel no pain and you know be able to function uh, and perform that day um and you know a day or two later you'll feel the results of that but you know you sort of maintain yourself during the week through the training room and the next game day you're on the T-train again, uh, you know, getting another injection for the next game. You've gotten into the NFL, you know, you were incredibly happy, you know, maybe happy was an understatement. As you allude to, you've worked your entire life to get there, but you've also received kind of a behind the scenes pass for the pain treatment and the influx of painkillers and opioids that were around locker room at that time. When did you ultimately introduce cannabis for training, recovery and relief? And you know, what was your aha moment? Really, uh, happened simultaneously at the end of my career uh, I had used cannabis really a handful of times 
the first time ever using it was at my bachelor party and i remember uh smoking a few hits of a joint with some friends and family and just i can remember how i felt like the pain from you know being out all day in the hot sun in las vegas and my low back was tight and my knees were hurting and i didn't feel that anymore i just felt good um and and at that point that's when i really started to research how cannabis was helping because i had believed the propaganda right i and and in some ways believing those things kept me out of trouble Mm -hmm. um and i never had a a negative association with cannabis which also i think lends to you know how my cannabis story and the impact i had on on moving you know research and and you know promoting awareness on the need for policy change and, and and doing those things because unlike athletes who you know, tried to before, most had negative associations, whether it was failing a drug test or a drug arrest. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, you know, I, I had an injury, I hurt my shoulder and needed a surgery a few days after taking uh, my prescription oxycodone. You know, I didn't recognize my daughter walking down the hallway through our door. And you know, somehow I, I snapped out of it and, and realized that those pills were, you know, causing me to, you know, have some mental issues. And and so I stopped taking them and then, you know, switched over to, to just using cannabis afterwards. And, and at that point, you know, as I was, you know, continuing my search, really traveling across the country, um, meeting people, meeting with uh, different, you know, patients, mothers with their children who had used it and, and really just the whole gamut of cannabis usage um, and as much of the science behind it that I possibly could muster. Um, you know, I, I, I thought that um, it was time, uh, time had long passed where the NFL and really major league sports in general need to take a different approach to cannabis. Um, what they were doing was ancient and didn't reflect a lot of the good work that it had been doing and and that's really where i began a public campaign to you know create that awareness and also behind the scenes knock on the nfl door to uh you know get them to see that the policies that that they have are really not based in science and furthermore uh, there's opportunity to use some of the funding they had committed for player health and safety mm-hmm. to research how cannabis might, you know, be beneficial. Um, and, you know, my thought really is creating access for cannabis, not just for athletes, but for anyone, you know, is really, you know, a goal I, I push for. And, and part of that, right, the NFL is pervasive in our culture and, you know, headlines with, NFL and cannabis certainly send waves, not only through the different levels of football itself, but through society. So, um, you know, really we put together a game plan to do that. And um, over the course of that time, I also got into the business um, of cannabis. It was impossible to research cannabis and not see, you know, both the scientific political movements as well as uh, the business activity and saw opportunity to, 
you know, create that access through business. So we're really talking about how in 2016 you took the fight head on. You know, you became the first active NFL player to openly advocate for the use of cannabis to really treat chronic pain and sports-related injuries. You're you're talking about why you spoke up and what really led to that that moment. In your eyes, what was the biggest misconception of cannabis throughout this whole fight? You know, I don't want to do anything or anyone a disservice. It's, you know, at the at its core, the fact that it's illegal and people are in prison because of it is the most egregious thing possible beyond the fact that, you know, it should be used widely to help with a number of health conditions um, that, you know, we know is effective for, um, you know, uh, there, there are many reasons, um, you know, why I continue to do this um, and stay involved with, with cannabis and how it's moving. Um, but it's also exciting. At the same time, it's as, as, as it's a healing plant, mm-hmm. a connecting plant, it's also you know, something you can enjoy and in a much safer way too. Yeah. And even when you do so, you're still getting health benefits. So so really just, you know, being involved with providing safe access for people is, is really a path that I think uh, you know, it's been it's been, you know, very rewarding to see when when people are able to essentially get their lives back, you know, from changing over to a plant medicine. And again, like, you know, you can attest you you mentioned you know what happened to you in your youth you know coming down with Crohn's and you know that resonates with me uh there was a player in the NFL named Chantrell Henderson who had Crohn's and at one point in his career uh had some of his intestines removed uh Mm -hmm. as part of that and used cannabis to get back healthy and put on weight. He was a lineman and lost, you know, a considerable amount of weight. And, you know, cannabis helped him heal and get back on the field and he failed a test and was suspended for 10 games. You know, events like that certainly shouldn't happen when cannabis is, you know, one of the, you know, only successful or, or somewhat relief providing, you know, medicines for Crohn's. Yeah, and it's it's providing a pivotal role for people around the world. Uh, it's just unfortunate that we've had to stay quiet for so long because like you've alluded to, there are so many different stigmas associated with cannabis, not enough education as to how it can help people. You know, since retiring, you've become the lead advocate for medical cannabis research and policy reform in the NFL. You know, a 10-year labor agreement between the NFL and the players union was ratified in mid-March 2020. And one of the biggest overhauls in that agreement was a change that the league had long resisted, loosening the rules governing players' use of cannabis. You know, what was that moment like for you and how hard was it to push that conversation forward so that individuals like Roger Godell could finally listen to what you had to say? You know, seeing that change was definitely promising. But, you know, like most movement in cannabis leaves room to be desired. And, you know, I'm definitely not trying to complain about changes that were made, but, you know, certainly the environment is not perfect with what they did put together. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, should be a bit more progressive like we're seeing uh, with some, you know, of the other major sports organizations. Um, You know, there's no reason for the NFL to test players for cannabis whatsoever. Um, And in fact, should be providing education to players the best they can 
on cannabis usage, its different form factors, um, and how and when, and you know, best suggestions for players. You know, it, there's no medical nor clinical data to to really point to, but at this point, there is enough information to. You know, and I don't know what legal extent they would be able to provide any guidance on, but, um, you know, from some level, even if it's the NFLPA or within the team by the players themselves, but ensuring that players know, you know, how to use cannabis uh, in a responsible way as an athlete, but really many of them already know, you know, many of them are already using cannabis on a daily basis and have been for a long time. But providing, you know, direction, guidance um, to products in the legal market where they can be ensured that at the very least cannabis they use has been tested. You know, there's, there's no reason why we can't get to an environment where, you know, instead of, you know, lying to players and, you know, telling them that this is a bad thing, mm -hmm. um, you know, letting them know like, hey, this is, you know, you're hurting after the game you know this topical can you know benefit you in more than ways than just relieving pain but you know there's some anti-inflammatory cannabinoids in here and you know by the way here's these cbd tablets you can take along with cbn that'll help you sleep and wake up you know well rested ready to practice tomorrow you know we've spoken about the importance of a transparent conversation and how it can act as a cornerstone to mass acceptance for cannabis and that conversation really starts with education, which is vital to the movement. There is evidence that cannabis is a neuroprotective. And you've spoken about athletes transitioning from their athletic career you know, to regular life and past interviews. Why is educating them on alternative modalities vital to their recovery, not just physically, but also mentally? You know, for, for many reasons, um, you know, just being well in general is... Uh, a job for a former athlete um, you know just by nature of all the repetition and damage you do on your body you know you, most athletes that I talk to whether they had a significant injury uh, history or not are dealing with you know cumulative trauma in their bodies mm -hmm. and, and also you know just many athletes out of the game initially deal with heavy mental stress um, as a result of a massive you know life shift this thing you've been doing for your entire life living breathing waking up every day regardless of whether or not you've positioned yourself uh, for the next phase in your life that's a massive change and a lot of athletes struggle with that too and we're seeing in our country uh you know, more uh, and more that, you know, focus on good mental health is key, right? So, you know, cannabis happens to be something that, you know, has application in both of those areas. And, and so you're right, you know, education uh, on, on how we use it, you know, how to be responsible, um, you know, what types to use and when. Um, all of those things are very important. One, you know, as much as we can further the reach of education, you know, we can start to remove the stigma that prevents people from, you know, exploring cannabis and prevents access. People just, you know, many times might not know and believe, 
you know, the things that, you know, were created in opposition to. And for many athletes, you know, after they retire, they tend to stay clear of the gym. You know, it's been decades of taxing, wearing, pursuit. However, for you, it hasn't stopped you. You're relentless, you know. How has cannabis ultimately allowed you to continue to train after such a long and taxing football career? Uh, you know, I've been able to totally transform my body, really, and not just in composition, but um, my mobility and flexibility, you know, really regaining a lot of what was lost through injury. With the use of cannabis, um, you know, really, you know, if you're walking around hurting all day, like most ex-NFL players, including myself, you really don't feel like working out. And so, um, you know, I've been able to use cannabis to, to, for one, you know, for a little bit of energy and pain relief. You know, I'll use it before workouts. I'll use it during my workouts um, and certainly um, after workouts to start recovery. But um, it, you know, just allows me to, to push myself and not be in as much pain. Mm -hmm. So I'm more motivated to go to the gym because I feel better, right? Mm -hmm. and, and so if we get people feeling better for whatever reason, people work tough jobs, people have, you know, people's back hurts, right? And so if, if you can, you know, rub some topical on your back or, or take a capsule or hit a joint and feel good, you might be motivated to go on that walk that sets you, you know, on a path to losing that 20 pounds you gained last year. And so, yeah, I, I think that, you know, there's a lot of athletes who use it uh, involved with their training. Um, some very famous athletes, mm -hmm. uh, you know, have spoken about it. Um, and and really, you know, again, if, if we're able to get to a place where cannabis is legal and we can analyze how this phenomenon works in the clinical setting, you know, maybe we get to the point where, you know, our sports leagues can adopt, you know, cannabis to some degree within, you know, the sports medicine program. Um, you know, that's probably, I don't know how many years off from being a reality, but in many ways it's already happening you know, players are consuming cannabis in the league. Uh, they're consuming it before practice. They're consuming it before games. Uh, and, and we know this because uh, they've come out and talked about it, um, you know, after retiring. Uh, and I imagine it's happening even more so now since cannabis is more accessible. Mm -hmm. um, players can obtain it legally in many of the states they're playing in and the environment for testing while not perfect is a lot more lax, you know, so I do know uh, that players are, you know, sending family members to the dispensary to pick up cannabis products for them um, versus, you know, getting them in the mail like they used to. So, you know, the NFL is very aware of this. They, they know what happens. And so it would be responsible if they got ahead of the game and found a way to provide some form of education in this space for the player. What do you think really needs to happen for that step to be taken? We need to see legalization. It's, it's unfortunate, but cannabis remains toxic um, in a lot of communities particularly sports. Uh, so when our government adopts it as a legal substance, you know, removing it from the schedule and 
in changing that environment, I think that's the first step to seeing any significant change in terms of the possibility of an integration of cannabis and sports directly. Beyond fostering the movement to destigmatize cannabis, you're also an entrepreneur within the cannabis world. How has that step been for you in your life? And what has been the biggest hurdle to date? Well, you know, that that part of things has really been the most rewarding because at the scale um, that the business you know, really has grown to. I've just seen so many people across the country benefit on a personal level from their cannabis usage, from the business being in their community. You know, now they don't have to go to CVS and fill a prescription. Um, they can go pick up an eighth from the shop and, you know, they feel better and they're not, you know, swallowing pharmaceuticals. So for me, I, my interest in the business started when I was a Baltimore Raven. Again, right, I, I mentioned I was researching cannabis and business. So, you know, I had already done some business while I was playing. I was in real estate and still do a little, but was in a project in Baltimore. And I saw that Maryland had opened a process to apply for licensing. Uh, for cultivation, uh, production, and dispensing uh, cannabis in the state. And it was during the season, and the application was essentially due uh, during that time. And so in lieu of uh, having enough bandwidth to attack that project, um, I started to look for opportunities to invest. Mm -hmm. So I did, and, and really... That same team that I invested with, um, I was able to to join and partner with, and and work in the business and learn the business and and help it grow, and so that was really the first venture I took, you know, upon after retiring and really, you know, as soon as I retired a month later, um, you know, I was you know going out and helping win cannabis licenses and increase that. Uh, scope of access and that part's really been fun we've seen a handful of athletes like yourself enter the cannabis industry as entrepreneurs really foster that movement why is it important to really make the cannabis industry accessible to people of color and, and push that conversation forward as well you know there's really a big push uh for diversity globally but when we look at cannabis and we look at the statistics um also you know what happens, you know, uh, in terms of the war on drugs and, and how it's affected the black community. And, and then, right, like looking at the major sports and their makeup, being significantly African-American, uh, you know, a lot of athletes come from those communities that were harmed, you know, uh, by the war on drugs. And, you know, the issues that remain in those communities remain near and dear to those athletes' hearts. And you see a lot of the work they do, you know, as athletes in the community focused, you know, on that. And and really, in terms of, you know, cannabis, the, the same thing exists. Mm -hmm. and, and we have, with the new industry and new business opportunity in, you know, all of these states, you know, an opportunity to 
increase the amount of wealth in the black community too. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, really that goes back to the educational component, right? Like letting people know, you know, what the industry looks like, what opportunities exist, how your skill sets that you currently have might apply and where you may find opportunity for yourself, where, where you can help people, right? How you can pull people up along with you um you know all of that is there it's it's a time really where the black community is becoming empowered because of this plan something else that is happening more on a political level is the fact that there are people incarcerated for cannabis related charges there are many platforms out there that are fighting for clemency it's a huge issue that is at the forefront what do you think we need to do to make sure that we're steering that conversation in the right direction to really see change happen? There are a lot of good people working on those efforts all over the country um, and doing great work recently. Um, uh, you know, I, I saw, you know, on Instagram, and I didn't know this happened. I don't know how I missed this, but there is uh, a man that essentially was serving life in prison for a nonviolent cannabis offense mm-hmm. um, uh, and who is who is now a free man. Um, and so uh, when, when we talk about, you know, a story like that, and we know there are thousands and thousands more stories like that where essentially you you're picking you know fathers and mothers out of these communities and essentially tearing communities down you know for reasons that you know are putting billions of of dollars into the marketplace so you know that needs to happen you know from the highest level we need to see cannabis legalized and we need to see nonviolent drug offenders released from prison. You know, you've been an outspoken advocate. You're constantly pushing for change. You've created a transparent and open conversation. You're also an entrepreneur. You're a cannabis athlete. You know, for other athletes, entrepreneurs, or individuals listening to our show today that are looking to follow in your footsteps, if you could offer them one piece of advice, what would it be? Really just to go all in, you know, for, for whatever, you know, you've got your heart in and I think that's you know that's what what will be most rewarding to you that's that's what you know you'll likely uh you know be most committed to and 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 have most success in um you know you've got to do it you know whatever it is you want to do you know be sure that you know you you'd be willing to sacrifice you know most things you know in order to to chase that right for me it was it was really my my career, you know, but I had endured so much injury and saw so much damage, not only in the league as I played it, but with players who had retired that, you know, I, I had no choice but to uh, stand up and, and fight for, you know, something that was different. That, that drive, you know, just... It, it came from such an authentic place. So, you know, if that's you and, and you found that, then, you know, operate in that area um, and make a difference. Thank you, Eugene, for joining us on Sports Cannabis. Check him out on Instagram at Eugene Green Monroe today. He's always pushing out incredible content. 
and sharing the initiatives he's taking on. So make sure to like and auto subscribe to all his channels. We truly appreciate the sports cannabis community. You've helped amplify the message and we couldn't continue this mission without you. Stay tuned for another interview releasing next week with another cannabis athlete pushing the barriers within the sporting world. As the cannabis industry continues to flourish, it's important to keep the conversation open, transparent, and constant. The trend towards normalization is not specific to one country. Athletes around the world are taking part in a global sports cannabis movement to end prohibition. Subscribe to our channels and newsletter today to join the community. Something about the way it goes on. I don't ever wanna let go. I'm gone, I'm gone.